Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. I rode the wagon train to Henderson, Nevada. It's high noon for Monday, September 14th, 2020. I went to the Trump rally. That indoor pit of death and chaos. Yeah, so I got up yesterday, nice and early, although the sky is the same color all the time now because of Gavin's uh, little fires everywhere. I think that's the name of a TV show. Reese Witherspoon. Maybe it was inspired by Gavin Newsom's forest management. But I uh, hit the road around uh, 7.30 a.m. I basically flew to Las Vegas because between the fact that the traffic goes the opposite direction on Sundays and COVID restrictions and people don't have jobs and whatever. I don't remember what the last and was. Um yeah, there was there was basically no traffic at all. It was like a uh, a ninety down the freeway adventure the entire time. It was the fastest I've ever made it to Las Vegas. It was pretty genius. Um, but I uh, I met some friends at the Trump International Hotel and Casino. Uh, we just uh, you know the thing that people don't understand about um, supporting Trump is that. It's not as serious as the media and all like the Trump derangement people make make you think it is and how they think it is like it's not an obsession with Trump. It's the enjoyment of being like, ah, go fuck yourself to all the super serious people that pretend to know what's going on, even though they can't explain anything that they believe. So we had a uh, we had a burger there, and then we headed over to 
um, to Henderson where the rally was. And the first step, because a friend of a friend of a friend of a Trump um, got us VIP access to the rally, which gives you access to these little private campaign events before the rally begins. And so to attend those, we had to do COVID testing. So I got my first COVID test, the little uh, PCR nasal swab. Um, I guess maybe people do have them reached up farther into their brain than I had, but it wasn't that big a deal. I mean, it's basically like using a Q-tip in your ear, except it's in your nose. And 20 minutes later, they tell you you don't have COVID because of course you don't. And then we uh, jumped in a shuttle and we headed on over to the venue, which was not far. I mean, we literally walked back to the cars last night, but it's a good thing we had the shuttle because it was a hundred degrees out. And I don't know, man, I hang outside in LA sometimes when it's a hundred degrees, something about that Vegas heat is just hotter. (laughs) Maybe that's crazy, but that's how it feels. But as we uh, as we drove down this road to the venue, there were literally thousands upon thousands of people lined up to either attend the event or the basically like the block party viewing party that they were having outside. And again, it's extremely hot, and we're talking about three p.m. for. An event that begins at five, but Trump's speech didn't start till seven. So from five to six, they did a bunch of speeches, Um, you know, some local politicians and then Rick Grinnell and Dana White, the president from UF of uh, UFC, and then Kimberly Guilfoyle, who is Don Jr.'s girlfriend and Gavin Newsom's ex-wife, which if you're not entertained by that, I don't know what to tell you. I think that that is hilarious, especially when she calls out how poorly managed California is, because this is one of the worst managed places on the entire planet. And just let me divert here for two seconds, and then I'll get back to talking about the rally. But I've been thinking about this over the weekend, you know. People are trying to blame Trump. They're saying Trump killed 200,000 people. Trump's the greatest mass murderer in American history. I mean, that is just preposterously stupid and incredibly immoral to say and to believe. Right. But Gavin Newsom has been aware of the California fire problem for years. This isn't a new problem. And they tried to blame it on climate change. Uh, It was either two years ago or three years ago. I think it was 2018. And it turned out that PG&E, the electric provider in Northern California, the utility company, was responsible for the fires. And poor forest management, of course, is always responsible for the way these fires burn. And part of that is due to all the environmental regulations that progressives put in place. Also, it's important to know that as a public utility, 
the government has a ton of influence over that. And so these are multiple areas where the fault clearly lies with California's government, Oregon's government, Washington's government. You blame Trump for 200,000 dead Americans. And I think that they just like saying 200,000 now. I don't think it's up that high. But, I mean, what's the point in checking anymore? Um, and I'm not saying deaths are irrelevant for fuck's sake. Just saying there's no point in following the day-to-day coronavirus death toll. I'm not Wolf Blitzer and Jake Tapper. And the media figure is still trying to make this a big political issue every time they release more deaths. And remember, these deaths are being reported today. It does not mean they happened today. Okay? And remember that these are coronavirus deaths with coronavirus, not from coronavirus, or not necessarily from coronavirus, to be perfectly accurate. 94% of coronavirus deaths had an average of 2.7 comorbidities. And those comorbidities are almost always, they are over 75 and uh, obese or with diabetes. Um, And so... Trump's handling of the pandemic, think about that what you will. I've discussed it enough. But pinning 200,000 coronavirus deaths on him and trying to say that they're his personal responsibility and somehow Bob Woodward's book proves that is crazy. If you want to do that, you definitely, definitely need to blame Gavin Newsom And one party Democrat rule for allowing these fires to happen year after year after year after year and just calling it climate change. This is insanity. This is an actual public health, public safety problem. I haven't heard anything anywhere that they've been doing to fix that problem aside from talking about how it's climate change's fault nancy pelosi sounded like some venice drum circle hippie and said that mother earth was mad at us what so we just say anything and believe anything and call it the science and people take us seriously as California Democrats because of course they know the science and the data and that's how they're sure that it's climate change that's causing this problem and not incompetence but this is a real physical earth problem that can be manipulated by proper policy and is not. Maybe Bob Woodward can scratch out a book about that. That would be really interesting. 
Go interview Gavin Newsom. Find out what did he know and when did he know it? Well, since we all knew it years ago, he certainly knew it. Nothing's been done. The sky has been gray or yellow or brownish for, what is this, 10 days now? All of September? It's ridiculous. This air quality is terrible. You can smell it outside all the time. This is death and destruction and the ruining of livelihoods. And we are breathing it in, in California. But back to the rally, right? So I don't remember where I was in the story. I'm just going to continue. I think I was talking about the little separate events that they have. If you are uh, on the, the special list, like we got to be. So, there's just these little receptions and um, they have little photo opportunities. Like we had our photo taken with Dana White and like some UFC fighters, um, champions. They're all really good fighters. And that actually came into play later in Trump's speech. And again, I don't want to divert too far, but he, he said this little thing. He was talking about how when Dana White first came to him to use his property for the initial UFC fights, he didn't see how this thing was going to work, the whole UFC project. He didn't see how that was going to become a national phenomenon. And then he says, but, I, you know, you never underestimate how much Americans like violence or something similar to that. He's joking and talking about a physical combat sport. Okay. And now the media cuts out that part and is framing it as like Trump supporters are violent and they're going to attack you. It's shameless. It's so dishonest. He was doing it while talking to and about Dana White. And you can watch the whole speech or even just that long clip and see pretty clearly that he was not encouraging violence by anyone. Just like how he says, maybe I should get four more years. Is not him saying he's actually going to try to take power for 12 years. It's a fucking joke because he likes to make progressive media heads explode. And you know what? I like when he does it. Why? Because progressive media is a stain on our culture and it is making us worse more than any other factor in the world. Um, yeah, so we had our picture taken with them. Uh, I got to meet and speak to briefly uh, Rick Grinnell, who is the acting director of national intelligence. He gave an excellent speech at the RNC and I was... Uh, happy to have the opportunity to thank him and congratulate him for that and for all the incredible work he has done and is doing. He is an excellent public servant and an American hero. And if you don't know who he is, watch his RNC speech and look at the things he's been doing to try to restore a sense of rightness back to how 
Washington works. So that was awesome. I met uh, the YouTube guys, the Hodge twins, the two, um, I guess, black or mixed or whatever guys on YouTube that are Trump supporters. These guys are hilarious and um, they're just they're just fantastic on YouTube. So it was cool hanging with them for a minute. Uh, And then we went into uh, the rally, the speech area. And I don't know how many people were there. I think it's probably in the three to 5,000 range we're inside. It's probably in a news article somewhere. I'm just going off my eyeball guess. And uh, it was extremely hot in there. There was air conditioning, but it was a big manufacturing facility. And I don't think that air conditioning ever uh, was ever set up to have 5,000 people in there. So it was probably like 80 degrees for the duration. And when you're in a room with a lot of people, that's pretty stuffy and hot. And it had been a very long day, by the way. I mean, Trump's speech didn't start till seven. Like I said, I hit the road at 7.30 a.m. So I've been in this process the entire time, right? Um, But, you know, everyone's sitting close together. People have their signs. People are... Like a Trump crowd is really boisterous. And here's another thing. In 2016, I bet you'll all remember this. The media focused constantly on the crowds at Trump rallies and who these people were and how they were ugly and uneducated and racist and violent and blah, 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 all that. Right. They're not focusing on that this time. And when the media stops focusing on something that they used to focus on heavily. It doesn't mean that the information on the ground has changed. It means their agenda has changed. Either they've decided that the prior, uh, the prior narrative has failed them and their purposes, or they've simply moved on to something else that is more timely or they think will be more effective. But you don't hear anything about who's in the Trump crowds anymore. And why is that? Well, there's no doubt that it is predominantly white. But I think that that's a reflection of the population in Henderson, Nevada, as well as the population of common Trump voters. But those things play together in a live audience, of course. And. Again, I'm not saying that Trump has a representative share of the population in terms of his vote. I don't think that he does. Part of that is due to the media constantly harping on a uh, Trump is racist narrative. Regardless, it was definitely at least 50, 50 women, all ages. There were families there, many families and little kids and all ethnicities like there was a family of like seven, uh, seven people who looked to be Pacific Islander there. More than enough black Americans, more than enough Hispanic Americans, Asian Americans, every minority that you could want to see was represented there. OK. And so the media doesn't focus on who's in the crowd. They are focused on whether or not people are wearing masks. And so that is a big problem today. Everyone's talking about 
how now Trump just blatantly doesn't care about his own supporters and he's causing mass death by allowing this event to happen. All of us were there under our own free will. We have had the coronavirus in America for well over six months. The lockdowns and all that have been six months. But the virus has been here considerably longer. That news is out there. We know that it was here in at least December last year. There was an article just last week uh, in KTLA, which is a, uh, a local Los Angeles news organization, talking about how the virus had been in Los Angeles far longer, or, or I should say far earlier than we knew that it was in the U.S. Okay? So, as I talked about in Revisionist History, the difference in these dates, the difference in the initial date of coronavirus being in California should have changed, publicly changed, all of the epidemiological models, okay? Because the start date and when it was here makes a huge difference when considering how far it could have spread before they realized it, all right? So there's no way that it's been less than nine or 10 months that coronavirus has been in the Southwestern United States. Why anyone is still worried about this virus is insane to me. If they are that worried about it, they can stay home. They can, quote unquote, protect themselves they can wear masks all right the idea that this is just randomly spreading from person to person in normal community interactions where one person passes by another person where have been where have all the the massive grocery store outbreaks been where have the outbreaks at target been where have the outbreaks in the las vegas casinos been nowhere right where have the homeless outbreaks been Nowhere. All of the scenarios that we are encouraged to imagine being massive vectors for coronavirus have not materialized. And it's not that the scenarios haven't materialized. The scenarios have happened over and over and over and over and over again, countless times. But the infections have not happened, and that's the point. If they want to be taken seriously with this claim that they make over and over and over and over and over again, one of them should have to pan out. In two weeks, in three weeks, which is more than enough time for incubation, do you think that there is going to be a massive coronavirus outbreak in Henderson, Nevada? If you say yes, or even think yes, you are a moron. Because reality has proved you wrong over and over and over and over and over again. You know who doesn't prove you wrong? The media outlets you listen to and the experts that those media outlets feature because they will not feature the experts that disagree with them who are connected to reality. I did not feel any sense of danger 
from anyone yesterday. Maybe 2% of the crowd was wearing masks. And people don't understand the positive reason for these events and for these events to be unmasked. And it's for exactly the reason I'm telling you right now. That narrative needs to die for the country to go on successfully. I have been wanting events like that for months and months to prove exactly what I'm saying. And if I'm wrong, stop listening to me. I think there's a 0.1% chance of that. Oh, wait. I just realized that is the same rate of death from infection with coronavirus. And that 0.1% is almost always old and obese. And it is never, ever, ever children. So be scared. Okay. Um, Trump's speech was uh, very similar. He, he basically, what Trump does is, and I'm sure anyone who's watched the whole speech uh, at a rally has noticed this, is he has his stump speech on the teleprompter. And whenever he goes, uh, whenever he feels like going off the teleprompter, he does. And sometimes that lasts for, a minute, two minutes, five minutes, whatever, and then he'll return to the teleprompter. You can actually see, if you are paying close attention, you can basically see what else Trump has to do that day because of the speed at which he goes through the rally speech. If he is constantly focused on the teleprompter and he's speeding through the teleprompter parts, then he's probably trying to get through the entire speech. And... If he's not, if he's taking a bunch of time and holding back and going into his little comedy routines and talking shit, then he's taking his time and having fun and whatever. I guess there's not another end. Is that the second time I've done that today? <laughs> Sorry, I'm a little cloudy. It was a long day yesterday. I didn't. I drove back last night and didn't get back until uh, around one, but... Uh, I mean, it's just 18 hours of constant driving, sitting, move here, go there. And yeah, we were at the venue for four and a half hours, which is which is a long time to be in a really warm place. Especially when three hours of that was just waiting for Trump to start. And so I think it's like important to watch this stuff closely so that you can tell when he's going off the cuff, when he's using the teleprompter, whether or not he's joking. All this context matters when you're trying to understand him. And most people don't do that. The media certainly doesn't. They have no interest in understanding him. They have an interest in finding when he says things that can be exploited and then they exploit them. And as soon as he said the thing about violence yesterday to the UFC guys, I knew without a shadow of a doubt that they were going to uh, freak out about that. It was no surprise at all. And so, 
you know, the, the tone of these speeches, at, at some point, someone had to be thrown out. I'm not sure if the person was protesting or or causing a problem. I, I couldn't see and I couldn't tell. Maybe they've reported on it. Um, I'm not even sure Trump knew what the situation was, but they took the person out and then the, you know, the situation was rectified and he went on with, with the speech. Um, the crowds are really boisterous. People are really happy. They're um, smiling and laughing. They're chanting. It's like a, it's like a party. And when we were about to leave this lady in front of me, I, th- I think she was probably around 65 or 70, maybe a little older. She turned to us because we're, you know, young guys and not from there. I think maybe uh, she had overheard us talking about how we were from Hollywood or something. And she was like, she was like, thank you. Thank you guys so much for, for making the drive out. And, th- and thank you for thank you for supporting this cause. Like, it really is important what you guys are doing. And, it, it, you know. Really, it's just so great. And I was like, wow, thank you so much. Um, I didn't know the lady. She was happy to see people that didn't look like everybody else there. And I'm not talking about white. I'm talking about the way we were dressed, the way we look. She could tell that the Trump rally and that the Trump campaign was attracting people who aren't the typical demographic Trump voter as told to us by the media. And that was really cool. Um, so we leave, the, uh, we leave the rally right after Trump goes off. And the only thing I can compare it to is leaving a music festival or a sporting event. So many people were leaving. There was there were uh, big buses lined up for a mile down the road that people were going and getting into to go back to downtown Las Vegas, which is like, I think, 15 miles away from Henderson, something like that. And there was, the, you know, the block party outside with this massive screen playing uh, the whole Trump speech and all the speeches from the rally. There's like party music still playing. People are still outside um, sitting up on the big uh, construction vehicles. It, it is an unusual experience. It really is. It's like nothing else. Um, and I'm not trying to say I'm not even like projecting a judgment on that. I'm not saying it's good or bad. I mean, I think it's cool. It's definitely interesting. I don't see this in other political realms. I don't I mean, maybe Obama had stuff like this. I don't know. He certainly had massive speeches. Don't get me wrong. I'm not being ignorant. I'm not trying to take away from anything Obama did. I was an Obama voter. Uh, He obviously attracted massive crowds in many places. Um, But there's something there's something different about this. And part of it is that the media is not promoting his campaign message all the time. In fact, they're doing the opposite. Oh, and speaking of Obama, because everybody's going to see this today too, probably. uh, The crowd was chanting, lock him up. And that was right after they were talking about, or Trump was talking about 
uh, the Obama and Biden soft coup attempt from 2015, or I mean 2016 and 2017. And that is not a completely invalid story, and it's not a completely invalid possibility. So, I mean, I know that people don't talk about it very much, but it definitely is worth looking into. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I think it might. I think that there's ample evidence um, indicating that a lot of nefarious shit was going on uh, between Carter Page and John Brennan and then Obama and Biden with Michael Flynn. And if that stuff does come out and is proven, that is going to be a shock to the system and one that it probably desperately needs. So to move on from the Trump rally, I do want to talk about this today. I want to talk about two things quickly. I'm sorry that these have been going long lately. Actually, you know what? I'm going to save this stuff for tomorrow because I have three things and I want to talk about all of them and give them their due without uh, making this thing an hour long again because my intent Friday was not to do that. But I hope that you guys liked Friday's episode. I actually thought it was a really good one. I'm sorry that it was so long. Um, please do support the show uh, at I'm Your Moderator on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, please subscribe on iTunes or Spotify, particularly on iTunes. You can rate the podcast and leave a review. So even if you listen to it on Spotify, it would be awesome if you guys could track it down on iTunes and leave a review on there. That stuff really does help a lot. And uh, the Substack is available. I, uh, I'm your moderator. where you can see the essays in print form and support the podcast. I'm really committed to getting this um, video situation set up this week. And a lot of people have been asking me to do another Instagram live, so I'll probably do that as well. Uh, but that's it. I will be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Listen to Hope's Fall. Goodbye. If you like the show, please share it with your friends and give it a five-star rating on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts so new listeners can take your word for it. You can follow the show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at I'm Your Moderator. If you have feedback, you can email heymoderator at I'mYourModerator.com or use the hashtag HeyModerator on Twitter. If you'd like to support the show, search Be Reasonable on Patreon, where I'll have additional daily-ish segments in a special podcast feed of the show, as well as my writing and audio readings of those articles. You can also go to anchor.fm slash be reasonable and become a supporter there. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Be reasonable. as moderator for tonight's broadcast. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble, and bit shoot. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'mYourModerator.substack.com. 
The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!